Hi, this is Bobby Ryan of the Detroit Red Wings, and you are listening to Empty Betters with Nick, Mack, and Harrison. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 61 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholz. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. How are we doing, buddy? Doing cold, I would say, as a lot of the people on the East Coast are. Uh, we got some snow. And, yes, we uh, do have some snow. I think one of the things I hate the most about living in Maryland is when it snows, people just lose their minds, and it's the most unnecessary thing in the world. So Ooh. they're panicking sprinting to like the supermarket to buy you know i felt like it was like pandemic 3.0 scooping up all the tp and you know all that shit and frozen meals but it's like it's it's fine it's just snow guys relax three thoughts one snow is pointless if you don't get odr season two i didn't think people in maryland said supermarket and i've had a lot of debates about this that's a new york thing it is you're picking that up Yep. Yeah, you're definitely getting that. And then three, uh, I went grocery shopping at Aldi, best grocery store in the world, dirt cheap. If you're 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 literally losing money every time you don't go to Aldi, put it that way. Um, went there on last Saturday, right before the snow started, like like start of pandemic vibes. No toilet paper, like no paper towels, milk, eggs gone. Everything was like half shelved. I was like, this is ridiculous. We're getting what like eight inches of snow and i don't even think we got that much down here in baltimore city so uh no and the worst thing is the way people drive it's like like (laughs) i learned how to drive in the snow when i was 15 it's really not that hard like my dad took me to the end of our court and taught me like okay this is you know what happens when your car fishtails you know you don't panic this is you know what's what and then you get the complete jimbos who don't shovel off their roof so then when they get out on the road and they're bombing down, you know, doing 30, 40 miles an hour. Finally, some wind gets under there and, you know, all this ice and snow is flying back and hitting your car. It's just, it's the worst. Yeah, well, it's the East Coast struggles, but I'm sure our producer, Mac Vogel, doesn't have to deal with this bullshit on the West Coast. Mac, how are we doing? Doing nice and warm, fellas. I actually just got back from Aldi like 10 minutes ago. Uh, so it's the I, best, I'd like it? to, I, Dude, it's the best. I started going there in college in Milwaukee and never looked back, honestly. It's like... Dirt cheap, like you said. Good stuff. Uh, but no, it's it's a beautiful day out here. It's like 75 and sunny. Um, life is good. Jealous. I have nothing to say. <laughs> it's weird, though. I do kind of miss it. Like, I don't, I'm not going to say I miss the snow, per se, but I, like seeing people post pictures like and they're like in the mountains skiing and stuff. I'm kind of like, I mean, I, I kind of wish I could do that, which granted, I could just go to like Big Bear. There are places in California where it's like plenty snowy, but. I just don't have any skis or anything and just it's expensive. Too. It's just a whole thing. You know? Yeah, exactly. Rental skis I have friends are- in uh, Tahoe and they said they got like three feet um, yeah. this past week. Uh, I f- this is kind of sad, but I realized this when it was snowing, like Mac, now that you and I are out of college and Harrison, you've been out for a little while, like unless it's so much snow that you can't get to work, like you kind of don't want it to snow anymore because then it just right. like inconveniences you. So the pandemic yeah, the snow day. day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, like like there is no snow day. It's the same thing every yeah. single day already. So yep. yep. Just another work from home. But uh 
Yeah, I got quite a bit of news to catch up on, so I'm going to let Nick drive the bus here on the league news. So I think the biggest sort of headline story over the last week or so sort of came over the wire over the last three days. Uh, It's this whole Tony D'Angelo saga. So the facts are this. Basically, there was an altercation between him and goaltender Alexander Georgiev following an overtime loss to the Penguins. So apparently there was like some miscommunication on what led to be the game winning goal. Team goes into the tunnel afterwards. These two, you know, apparently D'Angelo was, you know, verbally getting up in his face, apparently pushing, shoving, whatever they're separated. Um, That sort of stuff can happen from time to time, especially in a heated competitive setting like pro sports. Uh, But basically this isn't like the first time that he's been the root of a problem. And, uh, Basically, the GM had told him, like, if your name comes up again, like we're putting you on waivers. And that's what they did. He cleared waivers. The GM has said that he's not going to play another game for the Rangers organization. And they're currently looking to move him. And I think the thing that really sucks for the Rangers about this is they did just lock him up to like a two year, nine and a half million dollar deal in the offseason. So I don't know anyone that's going to be jumping to take like a four and a half, five million dollar a year cap hit on a guy like this. Uh, so yeah, not great. I, I, I wonder, you know, I heard people online, you know, saying that like, he's just going to disappear into thin air, sort of like Brendan Leipzig did, but, uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. It's interesting. I mean, I'm almost already like sick of talking about this guy. Just like, like you said, his name's come up so many times before it's like, all right, are we done with this guy yet? Let's get him out of here. Um, however, I was watching, um, I think it was a, uh, Habs feed last night. It was on TSN, um, for their game and they were doing some news around the NHL in between periods. And, um, somebody mentioned that, uh, according to a couple of close league sources, he, uh, there's actually apparently been some interest from a number of teams around the NHL in him, uh, in the last couple of days, which kind of sucks in my opinion. I don't really want to see him play for anybody, but. That's the way it goes. Some people need a player, and I guess some somebody might take a chance on him. Yeah, I think a team that's in like a rebuilding position and has the cap space. I mean, like if you're like Ottawa or Detroit, you know, what do you have to lose? You know, I guess you could look at him as, you know, obviously he's got this offensive defenseman upside and his, de- you know, defensive skill set really hasn't been there at all this year. He's been an absolute liability on the back end. But like if you're Detroit, you know, can it really get that much worse on the back end for you? First team that comes to mind is the Panthers. I don't know why. I just feel like his style of play would fit that that system pretty well, especially with all the Keith Yandel drama that they had at the start of the year. But, yeah, I, I mean, the, it, it does sound very similar to the Leipzig situation. The one thing I would say is that, I mean, this guy did put up 60 points as a defenseman two seasons ago. He is a liability defensively, but you do get that offensive upside. So I, I do think someone will take a chance on him. Um, and, you know, it's a two-year deal if you're a bottom feeder or even middle of the pack like Florida. I don't think it's too detrimental to the cap situation. But, yeah, I, I, I do I do think someone will pick him up. Um, however, I will say I do think there will be more instances like this in the future. Um, I don't know, I'm all for drama. I like storylines. So, um, uh Whatever. I'm kind of I'm kind of for it. I like this kind of banter. Also, I heard Kreider punched him in the face. If that's true, awesome story. That's hysterical. I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for that. Yeah, yeah. Dude uh, deserves a punch in the face, to be honest. 
for sure. That could be the call. best thing for him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, moving on, the Penguins GM Jim Rutherford resigned, resigned just seven games into a 56-game season. Uh, his reasoning for stepping down has not been stated by himself or the organization, although it is believed to be personal. Uh, Harry, what are your thoughts on this? I know this hits home for you. So what's the word? Um, yeah, this, so this is obviously huge news. Um, this is a s- speculation, but you know, you got some beat writers on Twitter that have some scoops. And from what I am kind of gathering, I don't think that this was just for personal issues. The rumor has it is that he was in the works of trading Latang. And there's a, I guess, unwritten rule that, you know, him, Gino, and Sid, they don't get touched unless they say they get touched, right? So um, I think management caught wind of this and they gave him the Knicks and they basically said it ain't happening. And he got pissed off because he said, you hired me to be the GM. You're telling me to run the team the way I want to run the team. And then you're not letting me make my decisions, which is a valid point. And whether you want to trade Latang or not is a whole different discussion. But, um, you know, I, I think he did a great job. Uh, there was a lot of questionable moves. There's been a lot of moves recently that I have not been a fan of, but he did get us two Stanley Cups, So it's hard to argue with that. Um, as far as what the future holds, it looks like the rumor for, uh, GMs in the running, Chris Drury was in the running, but is still a member of the Rangers organization. And he actually let the Penguins know about three hours ago that he will no longer be in the running. Some other noticeable names are Joe Newendike, uh, John Ferguson, who is currently with the Boston Bruins organization and Kevin Weeks, who, by the way, Interviewed for the Florida Panthers GM position, I think, a season or two ago. So there was a lot of people saying he's not a serious candidate, but he has had an interview previously for a GM spot. So I don't know. Um, It's going to be interesting. I think the Penguins need a breath of new school rather than old school. So I'm excited. I think this is actually good for the team. If I were you, I'd be all for Weeksy. That sounds like that'd be really cool. Can you see my face? I'm so for Weeksy. Like he doesn't have any experience, which kind of scares me, but he's the most likable guy. And no matter what he does, I'm going to like him. So yeah, I would love to see him dive into that and just be like, Hmm, how can I be a GM of an NHL team? Like I love watching him on, on TV and everything. He's a great guy. So I heard another name that was in the running. Who? Who's also a media personality who also is involved in calling games with the nhl he was on nbc no 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 way way. pierre mcguire oh that's not what i thought you were gonna say no i knew that's who you were gonna say i thought you were gonna say mike milbury oh no oh my god i I was like we can't let this guy dm another team i don't know what's worse no pierre's not it dude if pierre gets it I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll light I'll light something. I'll light my jersey on fire while on me while recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that. I don't know how much truth is behind that. Uh, so I think that would be hysterical. Uh, I, I actually listened to the Chicklets interview with Pierre on one of my 8 billion drives to New York in the last uh, calendar year. And Honestly, after listening to the interview with him, I kind of like him a lot. He's not as bad as he seems. Now, granted, he's weird. And I was watching his broadcast. With I the would Pens say, like, 
quirky not weird no, he's weird. quirky yeah uh, dude he's weird like he was like screaming about like drew o'connor's high school it from minnesota on monday night i was like no one even knows who drew o'connor is like relax like it's not a big deal <laughs> i feel like if i could like like hang out with pierre i would just like get as drunk as humanly possible and just continue to ask him hockey related questions and i would just be like so in gretz's fourth season in the league what was his plus minus on road games when the temperature outside was above 55 degrees and he would just know the answer right away and i would just continue to like up the ridiculousness of the question i feel like it would he's a freak he's a robot exactly he knows everything so um he knows everything. He knows like every player that's put at Dartmouth in the last like 35 years. It's crazy. So maybe so maybe he's a good candidate. I don't know. He knows his shit. Listen, I, I, I just off fan, like fandom, like not qualifications. I'm all for Weeksy. I love Kevin Weeks. So that would be my number one pick just as far as like, a, hey, that's a feel good. Like I, I, he's got a good vibe to him, good energy. But I think we need that new school. I think our old, the old school is kind of over. I think in uh, in this day and age, we need to get younger, faster. So I don't want to, I don't want to beat this up too much. But yeah, those are my thoughts. Moving on down the list, former Detroit Red Wings goaltender Jimmy Howard announced his retirement after 14 NHL seasons this past Thursday. Howard was 36 and currently a free agent. He didn't sign anywhere this offseason. He finishes his career with a 246, 196, and 70 career record with a 262 GAA, 24 shutouts in 543 NHL games. And I think one of the things that we sort of forget just because of like recency bias with how bad the Wings have been is that he backstopped them to seven consecutive playoff appearances from 09 to 2016. I mean, that's just bonkers when you think about it. That's impressive. That's very impressive. He was Team USA at one point, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. By the way, uh, forgot to say, Patrick Alvin is the interim GM for the Pens, and he's probably also one of the likely candidates. So enough of that. But uh, yeah, congrats to Jimmy. Hell of a career. This also made me think of the fact that it's basically been like 400-something games since a goaltender not named... Jonathan Bernier has won a game for the Red Wings. Wow. Like it goes back to 2019 or something nuts like that. Jesus. That's pretty sad. It's funny too, that with the whole Jimmy Howard situation, he was like, um, I I think the Oilers like approached him or or his agent or something was like, Hey, you could like, I know the Oilers like have some interest or whatever. And he was like, um, I'm, I'm retired actually. You know what? That's, uh, I'm retired. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, Oh, you no, like thanks, but like no, yeah. I really don't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> and New Jersey's like, hey, we'll uh, we'll give you a call. And he's like, no, I'm super retired. It's, super it's like a retired. Zoom call with like you know him and a bunch of other teams, and like he hangs up even before they can speak. Yeah. Uh, uh the Calgary Flames, uh, their forward Sam Bennett is apparently looking to be traded. It was confirmed with his agent by Elliot Friedman, so one of the more reputable names about that around that. Uh, Topic topic of conversation. Basically, the team has said that they haven't heard anything and they're in no rush to trade him. But I, you know, if they start to, you know, put out feelers out there, I, I really anticipate him to go quick. I don't know why. I, I feel like yeah. a lot of teams could use a guy like that. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a trend now of these younger players sort of, you know, not not being happy where they're at and, and basically just demanding a trade. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe – 
somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is something we didn't used to see all the time back in the day. I feel like it was much more like shut up, suck it up, play for the team that you're on until your contract's done or whatever. But now it's, I know a lot of these guys just kind of speaking up being like, you know what? I don't really want to live in uh, New Jersey or Winnipeg or, you know, whatever it is. Columbus. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. And that's not just hockey. That's just sports in general. And Mac, you make a great point. And my dad and I talk about this all the time. It's like, dude, you signed the five-year contract. Like if you didn't want to be there for five more years, then you could have left, but you're the one that signed it. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think there's a lot of takers here. I, he's a former, I believe third or fourth overall pick. Don't quote me on that. I can't remember what year something tells me like 2015 ish somewhere in there, but he was a top five pick by Calgary, I believe. And now he's getting fourth line minutes. I mean, they're deep down the middle. They've got backland. Um, they've who's their um, Monahan. Sorry. So he, and I can't think of who their third line center is right now, but uh, he's not happy with, you know, his spot in the lineup and, He's a pesky fella. He'll throw them. He'll throw down too. So I, I definitely think that there's going to be a lot of takers for him. He's got some grit, got some skill, good two way player, kills penalties. Yeah, for sure. He was taken fourth overall. You were correct. Uh, and the St. Louis Blues, another trade rumor here. They scratched Vince Dunn last Tuesday, and they're looking into trade options for him. Uh, yet another player that I think you know teams are sort of going to jump on. I mean, he was a a pretty decent part of their cup run and was a pretty steady Eddie guy for them. So a uh, couple teams that come to mind off the top of my head with no thought, just sort of thinking about it now. Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh needs some defensemen. I was also thinking New Jersey. I don't know why. You could see it. They're actually playing good. Yeah. Let it be known that uh, Vince Dunn last night actually had a goal and an assist for the blues and he was plus three in a four, three win. So just something to uh, keep eyes on. He's definitely still able to perform, so should be a lot of takers. We have we have no defense. Like our starting, our top four to start the year are hurt. So I mean, would make sense, but who knows? Uh, Vegas, New Jersey, and Buffalo, and the New York Islanders are the latest batch of teams to have their games postponed. <laughs> Uh, due to COVID concerns, this is just, we knew this was going to happen at some point when the season started. So Vegas is expected to have their games resume this coming Friday against the Kings. Uh, San Jose, I believe, still has games that were postponed. or I've they, lost track. Yeah, they were playing the night, so they were postponed. It, it's hard to keep up with. San Jose is actually practicing back in Santa Clara now, so that's good. So yeah, it's all over the place. And Definitely, if you're a fantasy hockey player, you, you've got to pull double duty to make sure you're you're staying on top of this shit because you could have a guy in the lineup, but he's, uh, you know, instead of, you know, being hurt, his game's postponed. So it's tough. And yes, or, I'm aware. I said also, double duty. There's also stuff where, like, I don't know, you can't just trust the 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 fantasy hockey app to tell you like somebody's, um, you know, how soon they're they're likely to come back in the lineup or whatever. You gotta go outside, do your own research. Cause, um, I had to among many other guys who were put on COVID protocol lists and, uh, on the app, it was like, Oh, he's going to be out for like two weeks or something. So I put him on long-term IR bad move. He was back in last night. He had two assists really screwed me over. So definitely got to stay up to date with all that. <laughs> By the way, uh, 
I don't think it's coincidence here that the only division that is yet to have a team, uh, you know, beyond COVID postponed, all that nonsense, Canada this is the the North. Yeah, I, I think it's about time we talk about that because it's like coincidence. I think not. Yeah, I right, mean, yeah. I know the whole the whole population thing helps a lot. You know, there's mm-hmm. significantly less people in Canada the than there are in the states. So. The same amount of land, basically, too. Yeah. I mean, not same, but yeah. not. it's not hugely different. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you can look at that as just saying they've been much more responsible than people down in the States have been. Yep. Uh, it's also fucking freezing. Nobody goes yeah. anywhere. <laughs> it kills all the germs. <laughs> yeah, yeah nothing to do. It's like yeah. being in a refrigerator. <laughs> um. Connor McDavid, speaking of Canadians, is currently leading the league in points. He's second in goals and is leading in insists. So, Decent. yeah, he's he's good at hockey. I would say that I'm comfortable with saying that I think he's a, a very good hockey player. I'm going to talk about this more when we recap last week's picks because, wow, did I absolutely call Sunday in a nutshell. That was probably the easiest win of my life. Uh, Colorado Avalanche star Nathan McKinnon was ruled out for the remainder of Sunday's game against the Minnesota Wild with a lower body injury. Uh, The team basically announced that he's going to be out week to week, and it could be anywhere between one and two weeks is what they expect. Uh, So seems like it's short term, but seems like that the the Avs are going to be without their best player for at least two weeks. Uh, Matt Dumba, going back to the Wild, is going to be on IR for the time being. Sucks for them. They were playing some pretty good hockey and i think spurgeon's banged up too so that's not great for them and then they also lost kevin fiala for three games he got suspended for that hit on king's defenseman matt roy i think that was deserved i think if we saw this in an 82 game season that would probably be somewhere between five and six games uh but i'm sure they adjusted for the shortened season but ultimately i think that was the right call ditto Uh, Just a quick standings update for you guys. Carolina sits atop the Central Division. I didn't think a lot of people expected them to be leading that division, especially not with the two Stanley Cup finalists in that division as well, but uh, good for them. They're also uh, followed shortly by the Florida Panthers, which is you know mind-boggling to think when you look at the standings. I know it's early, but spots one through five in this division are separated by a point. So this could be completely different in a week or two. Uh, the flyers and caps are tied for the lead in the East with 15 points each. Uh, and then the Bruins and Penguins follow suit uh, just a couple points behind. Not really anything surprising there. I think, you know, you can look at the Islanders being low and, you know, down in seventh and say that would probably be the big surprise or even New Jersey up in fifth. I don't think a lot of people anticipated that. And then uh, going up north, Montreal and Toronto are atop the north. Montreal with 16 points, Toronto with 15. Teams like Vancouver and Calgary really need to step it up. They're not too far away from where Ottawa is, although Ottawa only does have three points so far this season, but I think that was expected. And then out west, St. Louis and Colorado are tied for the lead in the West Division with 15 points each, and the Wild are hanging out at a respectable third place in that division just three points behind them and currently one point ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights. So kudos to Minnesota. They have been doing pretty well. Uh, I think that's all I have for standings, news, injuries, all that jazz. Uh, Let's go ahead and throw it off to our guest for the episode, Miss Courtney Lachlan. But before we do that, I think Harrison has a message for all of you lovely listeners. 
Well, guys, I think you uh, know what I'm about to say, but it's the best part of every episode, our Brackish Life ad read. Let's take a minute to talk about Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay Apparel made by Real Bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh, Brackish Life. Brackish Life has also teamed up with Rink to Reef Chesapeake Bay to preserve the area many of us call home. Rink to Reef repurposes broken hockey sticks into oyster restoration habitats. Brackish Life donates a portion of their proceeds to Rink to Reef to further preserve the beautiful Chesapeake Bay area. Support this great cause by checking out www.brackish.life today. I kid you not, the shirts are the comfiest that you'll ever wear. So we're going to toss it off to Courtney right now. And it is now my pleasure to welcome Miss Courtney Laughlin. Courtney, how's it going? And thank you so much for joining us today. It's good. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Anytime I get to talk hockey, like it's like a dream come true. Yeah, definitely awesome for us as well. So uh, like most of our interviews, we kind of just want to start off. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, where you grew up. And then usually the question that follows this is how you got into hockey. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that one, but why don't you go ahead and tell us anyways? Oh, what, does the last name give it away or something? A little bit. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in Maryland pretty much my entire life from the DMV area. When I was really little, I was traveling with my dad when he was traded, especially from, or when he was traded from the Cavs to LA and back. Um, but that's kind of how I guess I got into hockey. Um, I got to be honest though. I hated hockey growing up. Um, I have an older brother. He played hockey. And as like the little sister, I was, I've been dragged around to rinks since I was like two or three. Um, and I was like, this isn't for me. I don't like hockey. I was a figure skater. And then one day, like I woke up and I was like, Hey, that sport looks pretty cool. I've been watching it my entire life and dragged around to rinks, watched every single one of my brother's games. And I was like, that looks cool. Like he's hanging out with my dad, my mom's invested. So I was like, I think I want to play. So I think I was like in sixth grade, um, finally picked up the skates and the stick and started playing hockey, played for a lot of like boys teams at the time. There weren't a lot of girls hockey in the area, in the DMV area. Um, and then from there, it's just kind of been my passion. And here I am talking more hockey with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So what sort of programs were you involved in locally? I know uh, a huge amount of our our listeners are local that, you know, these guys came up through the Baltimore program. I played in the Montgomery program. So what, yeah. uh, what organization were you with? So I started with the Chesapeake Bay chiefs, um, at Piney Orchard is where I think I started like my club hockey. And then from there, um, I went into the little caps organization and they had kind of started, a. my dad helped start a woman's program there. So it was the Washington lady capitals played there for a couple years. Um, and so I pretty much grew up playing here in the, that organization. The lady caps aren't a thing anymore. Um, but that was Kush Sadu started that program now with the pride in Montgomery. Um, so he had a big hand in helping to grow women's hockey, but there wasn't a lot of women's hockey when I was growing up here. Um, and it's incredible now to see how much it's grown with so many programs in Annapolis and Baltimore and Montgomery and Columbia um, but that really wasn't a thing when I was growing up. There was one or two programs um, and that was it. And so my final year, I actually ended up taking a PG year and went up to Princeton to play for the Princeton Tiger Lilies. Um, so that was like a trip because I'm sure you guys know when you're traveling to ice rinks, it's like two and a half hours each way. Um, so it was just a great commitment to my to my family and my parents to do that. But again, just like all of those, none of those local programs that exist now, especially for women's hockey kind of existed when I played. 
Sure. It's, it, it really is amazing to see how much it's grown. I mean, I'm sure for you and even for us, just, you know, from like when I started to, you know, looking at it now, I mean, it's really exploded and it's great to see that. What was it like growing up with a dad in the NHL? I feel like it's just so hard for me to process, but at like what age did it sort of like click like, okay, this is pretty cool. I don't know if it's even clicked yet. And I'm like 33 years old and I don't think it's clicked <laughs> yet. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think the one thing for me is again, like when I started playing hockey, um, I don't think I realized like, how much he knew and how much he was going to like push me. And it was hard, right? Because he also, he coached me in a lot of those women's programs that I talked about. Um, and I was like, shoot, like, this is my dad. I guess I have to listen to him because he played in the NHL. He knows what he's talking about. Um, so I think that was just, that uh, was always a challenge for me. And especially like, I don't know, being a girl, I was like, you're not going to tell me what to do. Um, but he did. And, and so I think sometimes it was hard to especially have him as a coach and given everything that he had accomplished that I, shoot, I guess I had to listen to him when he tried to push me um, and to try to get me to get better at hockey. But I, to me, he's just dad. He's just someone that, yeah, I guess I see him on TV occasionally. But I mean, he comes home, we talk hockey, just like I'm doing with you guys here. So to me, it's, it's no different. And maybe I still don't, still don't know what he's done. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm curious, what position did you play mostly? Or did you kind of switch it up a lot? I was a forward um, center. And then I realized that I was like, that's way too much skating. Stick me on the wing and I'll be happier playing the wing. Um, in college, I played center or wing, but forward, I was not a, not a defenseman. Do you want to touch on your, uh, your college experience? Sure. So um, I mentioned that I played for the Princeton Tiger Lilies. I did a PG year. Um, and then from there, I went upstate New York and played um, my parents, both my parents, my dad had a hockey career at Clarkson University. They were NCAA Division One, And then there was a school in the same town. It's hard to believe that Potsdam, New York has two colleges in Potsdam. Um, and so I went to SUNY Potsdam. They had actually just started a Division Three women's program. And so I was part of that and building that program. They're a very great program now. And I think they even started like a new league in upstate New York with their own women's SUNYAC league. So I played for SUNY Potsdam. Um, and then after that, so small division three school, after that, I actually spent two years as a women's assistant coach there. So a lot of hockey. Awesome. <laughs> Hockey's been been my passion, I guess, since after I quit figure skating. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I have a question and I'm going to probably get roasted for this. What, why is, why is the word SUNY in like all the New York schools? Am I missing something? State University of New York. So oh, it's a state God. school. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> I should know that. Because I know people that went to like SUNY, SUNY, Onietta or whatever it's called. I was yeah. always like, why is it called? Why does that have that in there? Because it. So they're like all part of. So like I, Maryland has it, right? Like University of Maryland, UMBC, right? Uni yeah. Like So it's all part of that state school of New okay. York thing. So they're all connected. So it's okay. just like SUNY Potsdam, SUNY Oswego, SUNY Geneseo, SUNY whatever. Okay. That's, yeah. not a, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to get roasted for that. <laughs> don't, don't you worry. <laughs> what, uh, what was the whole transition from figure skating to hockey? Like, did you find it like, like I can just skate circles around these guys now, or uh, was that a big adjustment for you? Um, to this day, my figure skating coach, and she's a very good friend of our family. She, I, worked for a very long time with the Washington Capitals, um, still says I'm the worst skater she's ever seen. 
Um, so I don't think the transition was that great because I still, I still to this day skate like a figure skater. Cause I think I'd been figure skating for so long that I just, and I kind of started hockey relatively late. I was like in sixth grade. Um, so the, the transition, I don't think, um, helped me very much. <laughs> and so skating was never my strong, strong suit, but neither it wasn't my dad's either. So it must run in the family. <laughs> <laughs> what age did you make that switch? Oh gosh. I mean, I, oh, 12, 13. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I was in sixth grade when I finally woke up and I was like, I want to play hockey. Wow. Can you talk kind of fundamentally, I think our listeners would be interested in sort of the fundamental differences between figure skating and the type of skating you have to do for hockey. Um, you know, you, we mentioned that there is differences, but what are some of those main differences that, that you find? So the first thing, I mean, is the skate, right? I mean, figure skates have a toe pick. Um, and so you're used to kind of skating a little bit more on your toes. And then it just literally just the anatomy of the skate is totally different. Hockey skates is just more of a rocker position. And again, I'm not a, I'm not a skating expert. Never was. Um, it just the stride and how you skate is, is completely different. A lot of things are still similar, right? Like the balance is still the same and figuring out how to skate on the edge, but it's, it's those edges that are different because skate figure skates are just like flat. They don't have the same edges that hockey that hockey skates do on either side and the biggest thing is the toe pick like a lot of times I'd skate and I want to like go forward on my toes and well that didn't work I fell flat on my face um so just kind of learning those differences of, of the skate blade but I didn't really have that big of a problem because I think I mean I've been on skates since I was two anyway so the balance wasn't a problem um but just like little things like that like just learning the differences in the skate blade really so, uh, you know, you mentioned that you became, did you say assistant coach after yes. you were done school? So ha how has your uh, career kind of stayed involved in hockey uh, post-graduation? Post so after I decided to leave coaching um, in upstate New York, I, would, I was upstate for six years. And as much as I loved, like, it was great. I'm miles away from my family. They can't get to me unless they drive 500 miles because there's no <laughs> airport. I'm like, this is great. Dad's not going to know what I'm doing. Um, but then I was like, I kind of wanted to further my education a little bit. So I came back home. I went to Georgetown. I got my master's in actually in sports marketing and kind of from there, I studied a lot of things about social media. Um, still trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do, but I still knew that like, look, hockey has been in my life, my entire life. Um, and I was like that girl in class. I was like, I want to work in the NHL. And everyone's like, I want to work in the NFL. I want to work in the NFL. And I was like, but I want to work in hockey. Relatable. Um, <laughs> And I was like that. They're like, you want to work in what? And it was just something that I've just always wanted to do. And so from there, NBC Sports Washington was starting a new position as they, they needed a social media kind of, I guess, correspondent where they mimicked what the, um, the Today Show did with like the orange room. And they kind of had this new position opened and I went for it. I was like, this is great. I can take what I've learned about social media and engaging fans and also talk about hockey. So I was kind of thrown into this TV world um, where I was talking hockey a little bit, but really just kind of monitoring what was happening in social media and trying to engage the fans. And so I was on the pre and post game show for the Caps, I guess, starting seven years ago. Yeah, I can remember pretty vividly when that happened. And what was that like, you know, 
I feel like, you know, it's easy for us to like, you know, I, I'm here in my house. It looks like you are too. Yeah. Here's the camera. I'm, you know, I'm pretty comfy right now, but what's it like actually being on set on camera? Is that, you know, a, a pretty big adjustment to make? I was so nervous. Um, and I remember because I was kind of new to it, right? Like it's not like I had gone to broadcasting school or studied broadcasting. I'd obviously watched my dad do it for so many years. And I remember they were like, okay, Courtney, you're going to come in and we're going to give you dress rehearsals because we want you to get like, you need to know where to stand. You need to know where the camera is, how to put on the mic and all these things. And I remember my dad was like, okay, great. He's like, I'm going to bring in Joe B. I'm going to come in and we're going to like show you everything. And I was like, I think they like, they made me cry because Joe B was like, when you have a three shot, you have to look there and then you do this, but oh, never God. show your back. And then my dad's like, Courtney, make sure. And I was like, oh my, I was like, you guys just like need to leave. Uh, and again, all with like the biggest heart, they were just trying to help me. Um, right. But it was, it was a lot to learn because I had never really been in broadcasting and it was just like okay here you go and I remember like my first live show was like the lights come on they're like you're live and I was like no what um uh, I'd throw up on the spot to, <laughs> yeah I just kind of had to like fly by the seat of my pants and kind of learn it as I go was it hard to like look at the camera like I feel like I can't focus on one spot for more than two seconds anyway so yeah. yes and one of the things that when I started um and again, television and pregame shows and production has changed so much, right? Like we're able to do this like this. Um, and even like when you go into the studio, things have changed so much that a lot of the times the anchors or whoever was hosting the show would have a teleprompter, right? So everything would be like at their speed, how they were reading it, um, what they wanted to say. And I was like, well, this will be easy. I'm just going to type what I want to say and put it on the teleprompter until my boss was like, nope no teleprompter you can't use a teleprompter everything needs to be like fly by the seat of the pants we want it to be casual we want it to be conversation and so what I did was I took notes literally like this and sharpie just like just like my dad and I would stick it underneath the camera and that was kind of my notes and then that also taught me to make sure that I looked at the camera without looking at the teleprompter with kind of my notes of what I wanted to talk about underneath very cool speaking of notes I noticed that was a very organized pad you just showed us. <laughs> yes. And then I did see something online the other day of your dad's notes where it looks like someone dropped a hand grenade on the desk. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to piece together um, what his notes are. It, half the time, I don't even know how he does it, um, but he's got he's got a method and I mean, he uses the Sharpies, so I use the Sharpies to write the notes, um, but he, I, I, Whatever works for him, whatever gets him to do the call, I guess we just say, hey, to you. Right. As long as he knows what he means, that's all that matters. <laughs> I think uh, my uh, my favorite thing that your dad does is when he telestrates. Uh, I know that's probably one of his favorites too. Joe B is always uh, kind of giving him some, some flack for it, but uh, he's so good at kind of breaking things down, uh, especially for just the casual hockey fan. I always feel like he does a good job of um, kind of welcoming people that may not know as much about hockey um, and, and breaking down plays and kind of explaining to them what they just saw. Um, so I've always kind of admired that. Yeah, I remember and I, I hear my mom kind of tell this story all the time, like when my dad first got the job and even for me kind of entering this the entering a new role after I kind of stopped the social media where I was like breaking down games and talking about things. And I remember my mom just always saying, hey, like talk to like you would talk to your buddies at a bar or at a house party and explain the game to them like that. Right. And I think 
that 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 helped my dad try to figure out how to explain it in a way that people could understand and same thing with me like whenever I talk coffee I'm like okay how do I try to explain in a way that maybe somebody didn't see it just like I was sitting at a bar hanging out here with you guys just talking hockey and we're just talking how how I would see it it's tough it really is especially kind of like in the area that you know you're you're familiar just like us with is that you know some, a lot of people are new um, right. especially over the last 10 years or so and trying to get them up to speed and explain everything and the rule of offsides. And sometimes last year you could have your foot, you had to have your foot down. Now you don't. And like, it just, it's a lot for people to comprehend. I get asked about icing all the time. That's probably the most frequent one. And it's hard to, to know, like, where is that line, right? Like, where is that line where like, you're going to lose your followers or you're going to lose people when you're talking hockey or like how much hockey and how much like, don't even get me started with like analytics. How much analytics are we going to throw in there? And then where do, where does the casual fan maybe drop off there? So I, I think it's hard sometimes to kind of find your voice and like, what do you want to say? Who? How do you want to say it? And like to who? Right. So I, I'm curious to get your perspective on this because it sounds like you've thought about this a bit. Is one of the biggest complaints that I see um, is that people can't see the puck. I feel like yeah. I feel like that's pretty common, right? So. And you've watched enough hockey just like us where you, you might not even have to see the puck. You can just tell based on body language. If it's in the corners or on the wall, you can kind of tell by shoulder movements or, you know, where someone's looking. What do you think could help um, the TV presentation appeal to the more casual fan? I know that's a loaded question. It's crazy because I would say like cameras, right? But like, how many more high definition cameras do we need? Like they've already increased that, but that would be my biggest thing. And I, I hate, not hate, hate's a strong word. I strongly dislike watching hockey on TV for that reason, because you can't, you can't see the whole play develop, right? Like you can't see, or you see a play develop and then you see something happen behind the play. And actually I was just talking to my dad about that this morning and that, so they do their broadcast, their home games they do from the arena, but their away games they do from the studio. And they have the same problem. Him and Joe B are having the same issue this season is when they're calling the games from the studio, they're watching the same feed that we're watching. Whereas where they're at the arena and they're sitting up in the 600 on the sixth floor, they see the whole play develop and they can see something happening behind the play. Maybe Tom Wilson sucker punches some guy behind the play and the camera's not catching it, right? <laughs> yeah. So... I don't, I don't, and I don't know what they could do to enhance, to me, it's the visual. They've talked about all these tracking things and putting the little bugs that say Tom Wilson's played 47 seconds on the ice and whatever. I don't, to me, I don't know if that's not what I would want to see enhance the game. You, you gotta, I don't know. You gotta be able to see the whole picture somehow. Yeah. And I know they tried that thing in like the, the nineties with like the blue line that would like follow the puck and, I don't think that landed very well. And I feel like you said, like, you know, adding a camera or something like that, I feel like, you know, the next step would be to do sort of what the NFL does where they have that camera on a cable that goes across the whole thing. Yeah. But then, you know, when we hopefully can get people back in the arena, that's probably going to start to obstruct some views. So, right. yeah, I feel like there is really no right answer, but it definitely is. Like I have people, you, you know, when I am able to get playoff tickets and I'm sitting, you know, behind the goal, but like way up in the, in the four hundreds, everyone's like, Oh, but you're sitting up high. I'm like, yeah, but I can see everything. It's the best seat in you the can. house. Yeah. You can, you can see all the plays develop and you, you're not, you're not missing anything that happens like behind a play. Yeah, it's true. There's no perfect answer. Although I will say maybe the, maybe the, the answer is to get people to go to a hockey game because it's mm -hmm. true that there's really no better experience than just seeing it live. 
Are there any uh, moments that stand out to you in the past? I think you said seven years uh, where, where you were either on on set or you're behind the scenes, and it was like a whoa, this is a this is a pretty cool job moment. I mean, obviously, I'm sure every day is like that, but is there one that stands out? Mm, probably covering the Caps winning the cup. Um, Classic <laughs> would be. Uh, I mean, anything with the Caps winning the cup, I feel like is on like top one. Um, no, that was a really cool moment. And I think, you know, we did all the games from, at least in the, in the Stanley cup final against Vegas, we did all the games down in front of the arena. Um, and I just remember that moment of being like, I'm talking about the caps. They're playing in game five versus Vegas. And I, I was the only woman too, on that set that was able, that was talking caps at the time. And I remember my dad coming out and I was like, Holy, like, I'm with my dad. The Cavs just won the cup. I'm about to yeah. go on air and talk about it. He's talking about it. <laughs> um, so I think for me, that was just a really cool thing to be able to experience that moment with him, not just as his daughter, but like as a coworker and as somebody that was covering the Cavs. I don't know. It was just, it was cool. I'm no. getting like goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> no, I get it. Um, curious. What are your thoughts on the Vegas, like, set up like the arena the surrounding area the arena itself any thoughts i've been there it's it's one of the best i haven't been oh so we did all the we did all the games from home from in front of capital one arena every game oh okay i'm sorry Um, i misinterpreted no no no, that's okay i i'm very jealous because that was like on my (laughs) every time like last year i was like oh when are they playing in vegas i want to go and so i never got to go so i'm very jealous right now they have a great everything on tv it looks amazing no, they do. I, I mean, I've never been to Montreal or Toronto or, you know, anywhere that's like one of the historic places, but they, they have a great atmosphere there. I'll give them credit. Looks like they do a great like pregame show and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Vegas. Everything's a show, right? <laughs> um, what, was, what was it like to watch your dad's reaction when that team won the Stanley Cup? I feel like he was like on the verge of, he wasn't about to cry, but he was just like, so like what, like kind of all of us were, we're like, what is happening? Um, I will say this. So we did it as, so it was like our whole crew, myself, Rob Carlin, Alan May, Al Koken, Grant Paulson was there. Um, we all were kind of like dispersed to watch the game because we were media. We didn't have tickets. Right. And so we were, and they were in Vegas at the time. So we were in the NBC sports, Washington suite watching the game. And it was like seven minutes left and we had to go back out on set. Since my show was the later show, I was like, I'm going to stay in here. I want to watch it on TV. Cause it's like chaotic. Once you go out on the set, you're like watching on a little screen like this. You're like, what's happening. So my dad left. And I remember one of the guys was like, Courtney, he's like, get the beer in the beer fridge and put it in your bag and bring it out on set because we think the gals are going to win. So he's like, when you come out, load up your bag. He's like, bring it out on the set. So I did. And we get out there and obviously they won. Like we're celebrating all these things. My dad, I like hand my, my dad, my bag. And he's like, this is awesome. Alan May's taking a beer. This is after their show was done. And so like, they were like drinking all this beer and after we got done, like we didn't get done that show probably till like 2.30 in the morning. And I was like, this is amazing. I finally get to celebrate. They drank all the beer. Like all the beer was gone. And I was <laughs> like, course. are you kidding? I'm the one that physically <laughs> took it out of the fridge. And you guys were celebrating drinking on the stage. And I was like, all right, like you guys deserve that. Dad, Alan May, like you guys have been part of this franchise a lot longer than I have. So 
you deserve the beer. <laughs> I remember that pretty vividly. I was actually, I was one of the ones that was in the arena watching it uh, for game five uh, for that viewing party. And uh, I remember bumping into Michael Jenkins, me and my friends when we were coming back from the bathroom and he was just like, I, I felt like he was like about to explode. He was so on edge. It was right before the third period. And I, I feel like I can't remember anything from that third period, except for those two goals and just wanting to throw up the entire time. Me too. I had the same feelings. I was like, is, this is happening, right? This is happening. It's really happening. <laughs> uh, what are you uh, doing with this podcast that you have now? I, I noticed uh, it's family face off, right? Yeah. So family face off, it's a project that my dad and I have been wanting to do for quite some time. We kind of, we, we kind of dabbled in it a little bit a couple years ago with monumental where we did family face off um, with their platform. And so it's just something that we've kind of always wanted to do after it ended there. And with my dad not traveling um, because of everything happening, he has a little bit more time, right? I mean, and with the shortened season, but I mean, he would never be home. He was barely home. And when he came home, he'd want to sleep. And then he was preparing for the next game. Um, Cause it's just like a very grueling, tough schedule as, as you guys know, especially with all the travel. And so we've kind of started this, new podcast family face off i guess 2.0 and we're talking hockey we do lifestyle we do beer um so it's just like a fun project that i've just always wanted to do that we've always wanted to do together to talk hockey i don't think there's another father-daughter duo um in the nhl little in any other sport that's doing anything like this so it's fun we have fun and it's like i get to work with my dad which is great but then also not so great so I'm like sometimes I'm like you're annoying me dad <laughs> but I can't really say that because he's my dad <laughs> is he are you is he pretty hands-on with it I mean what, what how like serious do you take it if you don't mind me asking that no, so right now like we're all in actually before this recording like I've been we've been sitting creating stuff for our podcast since 10 this morning um full video full production we're working with um a good friend of ours they work for they have a platform called Real Fun DC. And so we're working with them on the production end to make it a full video show. Um, and we love it. I love it. It's it's fun. It's interesting, not fun. Sometimes it's not fun to work with my dad because I'll be like, dad, here's what we're talking about. He's like, yeah, that's great. And then the next day he'd be like, so Court, what are we talking about? I'm like, I sent you the rundown. Do you not know what we're talking about? Um, so it's it's a fun project that we're that we're very excited about, and we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to make it fun and different, and incorporate a lot of different elements of lifestyle stuff into it. Is there anything different or any challenge that you notice that uh, you're facing with podcasting as opposed to you know broadcasting on television? Totally, um, the way that like you talk, right? So when I first got into broadcasting, it was like you need to be succinct, you need to like know exactly what you're going to say, everything's going to be prepared, you finish your sentences. And it's like all of that training that I've tried so hard to do for the last seven years. It's like, that's just poof, gone out the window. And it's like, now you just like <laughs> turn on the mic and you talk. And sometimes I still find even this morning, I was like, Oh, shoot, I just talked in like, a, um, in a broadcaster's voice, didn't I? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, yeah, you did. <laughs> so just trying to find that different podcasting voice, right? Where you're just like chatting. Oh yeah. We would never For make us, it on television. <laughs> yeah. That's just arguing over each other until someone's either the loudest or, you know, you just move on to the next thing. So, but that's entertaining, right? Yeah. Like that's what makes it entertaining. And I tried that to like, even today I was like, I wanted to like jump in and like, cut my dad off but I was like I can't do that I'm like yeah I can actually it's a podcast yes I can go for it 
you uh you mentioned that you guys not only talk about lifestyle and hockey but beer specifically what is the beer of choice in the household i have to ask uh, okay so i'm not like a total beer drinker I'm, I'm more of a wine um my dad's like a super ipa guy like he likes like the weird stuff um I, it's out of my league like double ipas and sure. pops and citra and i'm just like Give me a bottle of red wine and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's the go-to bottle of red wine? How about that? I really like Mayomi. That's like my go-to Mayomi or La Crema. Yep. I like Pinot Noirs. Um, also, I've really gotten into like the Boda boxes. Okay. <laughs> I really Very cool. like those. The white. I think it's, um, I don't know, one of the whites I like. The boxes are popular. Everybody loves them. The- <sighs> I don't know why. And like, I just yeah. like got into them. I was always like, nah, and I don't, I don't really love r- white wine, but I was like, this is like real. I think I've, you don't want to know how many I've gone through, but a lot. <laughs> <laughs> wine language is its own thing. I don't, I'm still trying to pick it up. Uh, it's slowly, slowly coming, but a long ways away. Yeah. It's, it's whole other, it's a whole another world out there with when it comes to wines. I was, I used to bartend at like a steakhouse place. So I actually had to take like a wine class and I felt like that even before that, I could sort of just fake it if you knew like two key words, like say body, tannin, and like finish. <laughs> and then you can just sort of like, oh yeah, that finish is nice or something like that. And then you'll be like, oh, okay, really? Wow. Wait, I want to know, what are those things? Bo- like what? So body, Peachy. like, uh, so like a uh, Pinot Noir versus like a cab. A cab's like a little bit fuller, so it's going to have a more full body. Uh, okay. That dryness you get on your tongue, that's tannin. So like when you taste like a cab, that's a little bit more dry versus a Pinot Noir. That's a little bit more sweet. That's the difference right there. But see, now we'll never know if this is you faking it. This, or- no, this is what they made me learn. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't shut out the restaurant. Just kidding. No, I don't work there anymore. It's okay. Oh, I never knew that. Hmm. When I have my glass of Mayomi later after this, I'm going to be like, hmm, this is a little less bodied or more full. There you go. It's bartending 101 with Nick. It's a new segment. <laughs> so what's next you know family face off now what's what's sort of the next thing on your horizon right now that's all i got (laughs) all chips are in for that um hoping to obviously want to get some sponsors is the ultimate goal with that um and see what we can do with it it's it's unfortunate i'm not obviously i'm not back with nbc sports washington this season so that was a little bit of a disappointment for me because it's something that i've been doing for the last seven years. Um, so just trying to find ways to engage with Caps fans, I think, um, whether it's through Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and just try to see if we can make something with, with family face-off really. But I, I love hockey. I love Caps. And so, look, you guys know this industry, <laughs> this industry's tough. Um, sure. So just kind of see where I can go with that. Yeah. What, uh, what are your thoughts on the team so far this season? And what do you think the sort of, you know, realistic goal for them is this year? Uh, their division, I think, is the toughest. Um, they have one of the toughest divisions. I, well, I have been pleasantly surprised kind of with everything. I've been pleasantly surprised with the goaltenders, um, starting from when they signed Lundqvist, and then that was a disappointment with everything that happened with him. And then Vanacek steps in with Sam Sonoff out. I think Vanacek could steal the number one spot from the way that he's playing. Um, I've been impressed with 
their lines and their scoring depth and their defense. I, I love the new system that they're playing under Laviolette. I think it's something that we've all kind of been craving. To me, it's just it's more creative. It's more fun to watch. I feel like the last couple of years of the Caps, it was kind of like the same old, same old, and I didn't have that fun energy. Like hockey's supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed to be creative. You're supposed to make creative plays and, and just look like you're enjoying it. So I've been pleasantly surprised, to be honest, just given everything, given who they lost and giving the new coach. I like it. I, I Especially the game against the Islanders. I was like, that's like the fun caps and the way that they fought back and they won, giving all the adversity that they had been through. Like, that's fun to watch, right? I, I, I love that. I love the adversity. I've been pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think last night was a perfect example of just what the new system looks like. I feel like that Justin Schultz game-winning goal is a is a goal that doesn't happen under Todd Reardon's Capitals. Right. Um, I think it was a perfect example of of kind of what Laviolette wants to bring to the table. And um, I talked to a lot of my friends last night after the game that are big Caps fans. Um, and I talked to my dad too, and and even he said that uh last night was one of his favorite regulation wins that he can remember in a real long time so um i would like to echo that i'm I'm pleased with the way those games have been going recently it, it kind of reminded me when i was watching that game last night of i can't remember which game it was but in the penguin series when they had like tom wilson was out right like wasn't nick backstrom injured and we're like everyone's just like how the heck are they gonna pull this out and beat the penguins and i, I remember having that same feeling of like well next man up who's going to step up and you see all the guys in the lineup step up. So I think it also shows great things with the cats depth, something that we've all kind of been like, Hmm, who's in the pipeline who can step up and play for them. So to have guys like Carr and Scarbosa and strong um, kind of all get into the lineup and they have a win. That's like that triumphant, I think is exciting for cats fans to see. Was that get the Islanders game last night? What, what is it? Schultz, Schultz, and Sprong scored. Was those yes. the two goals? And who, yeah. who was the? Was there a third one or no? Uh, wasn't it Carlson? Yeah, Carlson on the power play. Two yeah. x two x pens. I see how it is. Yeah. I'm the Penguins fan on the pod, so I always get. Wait, always, what? You guys didn't tell me that before you roped me into coming on here. <laughs> we don't like to talk about it. It's yeah. sort of like you know the whole Yikes. black sheep thing. You gotta just. You know, just sweep it under the rug. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's not important. It's kind of how it works. Yeah, it's a lot. Do you want the run? Do you want the? Yeah, yeah. So my dad, my dad growing up, um, was a huge Baltimore Skipjacks fan. He used to go to all the games, and there was a player named Bennett Wolf who would get in a ton of fights. Um, Steve, Steve, Steve Worth is a pro shop manager at Mount Pleasant Ice Rink, actually, and he played for Skipjacks too. Um, Michelle Terrian did, I think as well. And so they were the farm team for the penguins and my dad traveled for work and he was, uh, he had did a lot of work with, uh, hospitals in Pittsburgh. So he was always there and he got, you know, traveling there a lot when Lemieux got drafted and they were the, they were basically like the head up of the Baltimore farm team. And I didn't have a choice. <laughs> so even um, living in Maryland. Yeah, I have a picture of me in a, a Darius Casparitis jersey at four years old, right outside <laughs> Mellon Arena with my uh with my mom and my dad. So um I, I've been there since the start. It's there's it's been good lately, obviously, but um, you know, not a bandwagon. I can at least say that. Okay, so then from your can I can I ask you a question? Absolutely. 
So then from you, like, what do you think of the Penguins this year? Uh, I'm honest opinion. I'm not, I was not optimistic. We, in our, in our season previews, I think I mentioned that I see them probably as the fifth seed. Um, it's going to be tight. Yeah. They'll be fifth or fourth. I don't think it'll be any higher than that. I, I, I can acknowledge that our, our clock is ticking. I thought the Rangers would come out to a lot hotter of a start than they have, which is giving me a little bit of hope. Um, but the fact that they've kind of not found their stride yet and the Penguins look somewhat competent, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I'm thinking like a, a fourth fourth seed in the division squeak in the playoffs. We'll see. So that means you're putting the Caps at third? Uh, I think the Caps will win the division. I picked them. Yeah. Wow. I think, I think you guys as a fan base – and when, when we had Ian um, from Russian Machine yeah. on last week, you guys are hard on him. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like you don't realize how good you guys are sometimes. I just I don't know. I, I think the Caps are are very good. Um, I think their defense is going to be stellar. I, Schultz is obviously when Schultz finds his groove, you're gonna you're gonna yeah. love him a lot. And he last night I think he's you know showing that he's gonna find that. I think there's a lot of upside with some of the, the depth guys. Sprong is a wild card. You know if he catches fire he could be a second line sniper you never know so yeah i have the caps winning the division do I'm you guys biased. you guys the other guys on here have the caps winning the division that's interesting i don't think i've ever heard a penguins fan say that the caps are going to win the division we got to give harry some credit he, yeah. he's an honest he's an honest uh straight. hockey fan you know he he'll he'll be the first to uh criticize the penguins when when it's time to do so but yeah like um, the second game of the year he will he will go scorched earth on his team <laughs> I yeah, wrote a blog on some... the first game of the year saying the season was over, so it happened. I know you're saying we're Caps fans are too hard yeah, on the Caps. You're a you're I'm a hard. I am hard on the Penguins. You're very hard. hard on the Penguins. So, yeah. um, you know, in our season preview, so before before any of the games started, um, Harrison and I both picked the Caps to win the division. But I'm also a bit of a, a homer, and even when I, even Just when deep bit. down I think that the Caps might not be able to do it, I feel like I, I have too much heart and too much belief in them. So I kind of always convince myself that um, they'll be good. I had them finishing second, and I had Philly winning just because that mm-hmm. team terrifies me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're I think I had the Caps third. Actually, I think I had Philly, Boston, Caps, and then it was like a pick one, throw one. I don't know, Islanders, else. Pittsburgh, yeah. Rangers. I mean, at that point. That's the thing. It's like – what do you say about the Islanders? Like we all say the same thing every year. Oh, we don't think they're going to make it. And if they do, they're a bubble team. And then last year, look what happens. <laughs> right. So right. it's, it's like a routine that never stops. Right. What about it's, outside the East? Is there anyone else that you're looking at that could, you go, know, Oh my God, this team could make some noise. So my favorite team. And like, I love them last year. I, I love Colorado. I mean, how can you not just like love watching yeah. them play? I watched what was the game. And they threw up like a seven spot. And I was like, oh, they were just like putting on a clinic out there. Yep. I, they're fun to watch. And then another team like out here, Montreal, right? Like they're on a roll. Um, they look great. So Colorado, I just, McKinnon and Rantanen, I mean, you could just like go on and on. Landis got they're like, how are these guys this good? Yeah. They're, they're fun to watch. Yeah, they're set. They got them on a nice little bargain. They got a lot of guys coming up through the system. So um, they definitely look like they're primed for the next big dynasty run. And then they got Burakovsky. So who doesn't love that? Yeah. Um, a lot of caps connections out there. Yeah, absolutely. Who was, uh, was aside from your dad, of course, who was your favorite player growing up? Was there one player that you sort of like <laughs> gravitated to? 
honestly, this sounds terrible. No, like I did not. I did. Love <laughs> that that. terrible. <laughs> no, I love I that. I didn't. I didn't watch a lot of hockey growing like like that. Like as a Caps fan or as somebody, not because like I didn't like it. I was just. I think for me, I also just had like so many other things going on. Like I like this activity and that activity that I always enjoyed going to games. I just. I never really followed the team, which is weird. And then when I first got the job at NBC sports, Washington, they're like, you need to know everything. And they're like, you know, it all you've been watching. And I'm like, yeah, but not like that. Like I would just like go to games and just with my girlfriends and just hang out or whatever. Um, I never really followed any, but maybe DC. I loved Jeff Halpern. Just like okay. a local guy. Sure. Um, but I can't tell you why. Um, <laughs> no reason. I, that's a great question. And then- I believe Halpern is the only NHL player or only player to ever make the NHL from Maryland. I'm pretty yes. sure. I uh, think Potomac. you're like Potomac. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I like that local connection. I thought he was, he was cool, I guess. Have I you been to his, uh, his donut shop in DC? I have Astro? not. I have I, not. I went there like, um, God, it's probably almost like, probably like eight years ago now, but, um, my dad took me there once when, uh, when I was visiting him, he, he had an apartment in DC at the time. And, uh, I think it was, I think it was still just like a little truck at the time, or maybe it was like a, a small storefront, but we went and, and got some donuts. I think the one I got was like a maple, it's like a maple glazed donut with like bacon bits on top. It was actually mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. And doesn't he also do fried chicken? Yeah. Right? It's like yes, donuts yes. and fried chicken. Mm-hmm. I didn't <laughs> try yeah, the he has chicken, a food but... trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been, but I like had been looking at that menu and it's just like, yeah, (laughs) this, this sounds good to me. I I, I would definitely go. Yeah. I haven't been either. I've always wanted to just never had a chance. You got any questions for us before we wrap up? I don't think so. This was awesome. Yeah. Next time we got to do this, like over beer or a glass of wine or a bottle of Naomi. Absolutely. Down. And if your production crew has some spare hours, we'd appreciate that too. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, not kidding. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot of work, man. The the video yeah. portion of all this stuff is I was before I got on here, I was with the guy who's helping us. And I'm like, you're doing what with what camera and with this angle and the audio. It's it's a lot. It's and you guys yeah. know like now you have you have to know all this stuff, right? And yeah, my one last thing is like when I started in broadcasting whatever seven years ago it was like i'm the talent i show up and i talk about hockey and now it's like yeah you can't do that anymore like you right. guys know how to produce all of these things now yeah we're, we, we learn as we go and that yeah. god both god bless that. youtube <laughs> yeah yes youtube and tutorials but you guys look great you guys sound great you have a great setup so I think thank you, you, guys you. Are, we're trying yeah thank you appreciate it well we we appreciate your time and uh if you ever want to come back on just let us know You let me know and I'm in. Got it. Well, thank you. Big thanks again to Courtney for uh, joining us. That was a lot of fun. Great interview. Uh, Loved how she was chirping her dad quite a lot throughout that entire thing. So uh, Good stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I would love to have both of them on at some point, as she mentioned. So uh, definitely looking forward to that as well. Uh, But before we get into our picks for the episode, I know that's why everyone is here because you want your wallet to be a little bit fatter. Just a reminder that these picks are brought to you by the Maryland Mortgage Whiz. Are you planning on buying your first home this year? Get pre-approved and explore all financing options with Dave Fritz, the Mortgage Whiz. Interest rates are at a historic low and down payment assistance programs are available. 
Stop renting and put your money in a place that you can call home. Follow Dave on Instagram at Maryland underscore mortgage underscore whiz for more information. Licensed in Maryland, Delaware, and Florida. Equal housing lender NMLS number 3094. Say that oh. three times fast. Holy shit, what an ad read. That was beautiful. Maryland, Delaware, and Florida. I mean, where else would you want to live? Those are like three states, aren't they? That's, it's a, that's it's, it, right? It's kind of like a win-win-win. He gets you your normal house in Maryland, your first vacation Beach house, house up in Fenwick, and then the real vacation house down in Florida. <laughs> yeah, you get that vacation some... house once you start taking puck lines from us. So, you know, there you go. Maybe just a little caddy shack in Florida on a golf course somewhere <laughs> or something like that. Hey, Fritzy, that's a hell of an ad read. Good shit, brother. We appreciate it. Um, but yeah, let's get to the picks. If you lost all your money in GameStop, well, now's your chance to make it back. Let's do this thing. Uh, last week we went seven and two collectively, not a big deal. Uh, Nick three and oh, me two and one Mac two and one. I do want to highlight. I called the Ottawa Oilers over on Sunday and man, did Matt Murray not disappoint. Holy shit. Hit in the first period, six and a half, baby. That's how you do it. I think Leon and Connor, I think they added up for 11 points that game. And I think they each had three in the first period. So uh, thank you, Ottawa. And thank you, Matt Murray. That glove hand will literally never get better. Uh, Nick, you want to start us off for this week's picks? Yeah. Uh, Pretty good week for me last week. Can't complain at all. Uh, My puck line for this week is going to be the Stars. They've been playing some angry hockey after missing all that time. So they're going up against a Blackhawks team that is – Definitely a mismatch right there. I'm going to take the stars on the puck line on Sunday. Big game on Sunday, but this one comes first against the Blackhawks. My money line is going to be the Blues against the Avs on Saturday. The Avs are hurt. They're missing not just McKinnon, but a couple other guys as well. I'm going to take the Blues on the money line. They've been playing some good hockey as well. Hoffman looked great the other night. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Blues on Saturday on the money line. And then my over-under is going to be the Panthers-Predators on Friday. I like Pan- that. Panthers are a great over-team, and the Predators mm-hmm. are a liability defensively right now. I just see this being one of those classic 5-3, you know, sort of eight-goal games. I eyed that one up, too. And then when I saw you had it, I was like, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try and do something different. I do like that a lot, though. Mac, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll hop in here. So uh, for Puck. Line. I'm hot on the Habs right now. How could you not be, especially when they're matched up against the Sens uh, this coming? Uh, it's Feb 6. So uh, what is that? I think um, s- is that oh, that's Saturday, I guess, because Super Saturday. Bowl Sunday is the 7th. Yeah. So Saturday, Habs, Sens, Puck Line. I expect them to win by two. Value might not be that great, but I don't know. Maybe parlay it with something. You'll figure it out. Uh, money Line. I got the bolts over the wings. I almost chose this as my puck line, but I don't know. Something something just told me, don't get fancy on this one. Lightning will win. Who knows what the score will be, but take the bolts over the wings on Friday. Uh, And then over under, I'm going Blackhawks stars um, Sunday. That that same game that that Nick has for puck line, I'm thinking it's also going to be a big over game. Um, the Blackhawks are always, in my opinion, a great team to pick for overs, uh, and the stars we've seen them put up a lot of big goals in the last couple of games too. So I expect that one to go over solid, uh, for me, I'm going to have the same puck line as Mac. I got the Canadians puck line against the senators on February 6th. 
I love betting overs and against the Senators. You all know why. I've beaten it dead at this point, but Matt Murray stinks. Uh, Moneyline. I'm going to take the Golden Knights against the LA Kings on February 5th. Uh, that's Vegas's first game coming back from this COVID break. I expect them to be well-rested. I don't expect there to be any rust. And uh, the Kings aren't that good. So this should be a relatively easy win for Vegas. And for the over-under... Here, I'm going to take an under. I know that's not like us. I'm going to take an under on uh, February 4th. Stars Jackets under. I see that being a 3-1 game, maybe 3-2. I'm thinking Jackets get the dub. I think line A is they, – they got smacked the first time. So let's see if they can do it this time. I think they do. Uh, those are going to be my picks. Also, bonus, I don't think we'd have to necessarily do it right now, but we should throw something up on the social media Super Bowl picks. Yeah, I uh, I usually go through my variety of prop bets for the Super Bowl. I usually hit the coin toss uh, over under on the national anthem. Uh, the one that I've dabbled in the last couple of years is what color the Gatorade's going to be that they dump on the coach. Mm-hmm. That's a fun one. But over under and the national anthem are great because even before the game starts, I'm already down fifty bucks anyway. So. <laughs> Gets the adrenaline yeah, really fun, going. Right. I like I, I shit you not. Little... I am zero and three the last three years on the coin toss. Damn, you just gotta pick 50, tails 50. every time, man. I do pick tails every time. Oh shit! Then I'm I'm about to be. You're gonna be zero and four then. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I'm in one of those little like box bets, you know, when they have like the score across yeah, the, the top and the bottom and then, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. but among, among others, I plan to do some other fun stuff like y'all were mentioning too. Do you bet against Brady here? Like, no. Ooh, you're okay. See, I, I don't know. I don't like, know. I grew up watching Peyton Manning lose to Tom Brady yeah, and having my yeah. dad lord that over me every season until manning finally won the super bowl right i can't pick against this guy and it i like i can't root for mahomes either no i it's a strange scenario because i actually feel like people are kind of rooting for tampa like because they don't want a back-to-back and kansas city's gonna win mahomes is gonna end up getting like five or six rings anyway so what's it matter but um yeah, I don't know though. The Chiefs, dude. Uh, Tyreek Hill is just, and, and Kelsey. I can't stand him. It's hard. I, yeah, but he's unbelievable. They're such a good team. They're such yeah. a good team. Yeah. If you don't follow Tyreek, if you don't follow Tyreek on YouTube, he he posts like workouts every Sunday after games of him in the gym, like straight after a one p.m. Or he's just like, yeah. I'm That's how you get sp- that fast. Oh my god, it's insane. But uh, we'll see. I, football I think a for- great prop bet for the Super Bowl is Travis Kelsey to have a receiving touchdown because you know it's going to happen at some point. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'd bet two. Make it like plus 350, plus 500, something like that. Um, But yeah, that'll be an interesting game. Should be a good one. I think we'll post something on social media on Sunday morning. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Let's move on to our first liner versus fourth liner segment. Nick, you want to start us off? Sure. Tyler Toffoli. We talked about this earlier. Uh, If you actually... Go on Wikipedia and look him up. It says that he owns the Vancouver Canucks because that's literally <laughs> what he has done to them this season. 
I think in like what, like five games or something against his former team, he's put up eight goals. He's got eight goals. Yeah, so that's nothing to scoff at at all. And then Harry, I mean, what else do I need to say other than the fact that Matt Murray, Matt Murray is my fourth liner. It's just that that performance the other night was just bad. Horrendous. I mean, how they long was the- he in net? <laughs> I think 14 minutes. Okay. And Correct what was the score wrong. when they took him out? The score, I think, was 5-2 in the first period. Uh, yeah. Don't quote me on that. I can't remember. And I, I didn't watch. I just looked at the box score. But they, they hit the over in the first period, literally. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, Mac, you want to go next? Yeah. I'm, uh, I've am i been real impressed with Joe Pavelski. Uh, I was super impressed with him in the playoffs all through the bubble. I think a lot of people kind of thought that might have been like sort of a last hurrah, last push for this guy. Don't be mistaken here. This guy is far from done. He is proving that he is still a top contender in this league. Uh, I think just last night he had two or three points in that game. Um, and actually from his same team is going to be my fourth liner, Miro Heiskanen. Uh, maybe I'm just super zoomed in on this guy and, and waiting for him to blow up because he's on my fantasy team. And he hasn't done jack shit, but he has no goals. Uh, last night the Stars scored six goals. Guess how many points he had? None. I don't know. I maybe I'm holding this guy too high of a standard or something, but I feel like that's kind of unacceptable. This guy's supposed to be, you know, Norris Trophy contender. A lot of people thought he would be at least, and no goals on the year. I think he's got like five assists in seven games, which you know it's good, but I think uh, a lot Low of people for him, expected though. more from him. Exactly. So I'm I'm one of those people expecting more from him, and hopefully he uh, breaks through soon. I'd like to see him get on the board. Uh, for my first liner, been saying this guy's name wrong all along, uh, mostly because I can't see or read, evidently. Pierre Olivier, not Oliver, Joseph. Been been messing that one up. But then Pierre said it. I was like, what the, what's wrong with it? And then I see that there's an E after the I. I'm learning. Pierre Olivier Joseph is going to be my first liner, the rookie defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he was a beast against the Rangers in that two-game series. He was second amongst all Penguins in ice time in that two-game span, only behind Bruce Deschitis' best friend, John Marino. Uh, and Pierre has four points in his six games so far as a national hockey leaguer. Not too bad. Fourth line, I'm going to choose Eric Carlson. He has just three points in eight games this season and is tied for the second worst plus minus in the league. Not great. Sharks are a shit show. Cold, steamy dog shit on a cold winter morning. I've said it multiple times. What are you going to do? They're bad. Minus eight. Jesus. Yeah, it's not great. Um, So there's that. Uh, And then let's move it on to our market report. Hopefully it won't be as volatile as the real market was this past week. Uh, Nick, you want to start us off? I do. My, uh, my trending up team is going to be the Carolina hurricanes. They're six, one and Oh, leading the central, as we mentioned. Uh, and they, they look great. I mean, they're a pesky team. We know this, their defense is annoying as hell to play against because they can not only stop you from scoring, but they can score on you a lot, which I think is insanely frustrating. And then my trending down team is going to be the New York Islanders. They have lost their last five and are seventh in the East not good enough right now for that Islanders team. Definitely not good enough. Yeah, I agree. Dean, you got some explaining to do. Uh, Mac, you want to go next? 
Yeah, I'll go. So my trending up team is uh big, bad Boston Bruins. Uh, I was a little cold on them to start the season. I kind of thought that they might be one of those teams that misses the playoffs. I kind of don't see that happening anymore. Um, could happen, but I, I've really liked their game recently. Uh, they showed a lot of no quit hockey in the two games against the Caps. Um, coming back from three, nothing in both games, forced OT and lost the first one. And then didn't even need OT in the second one. That was pretty embarrassing loss for the caps on that one. But um, I, I still got to give the Bruins credit because they, they just played no quit hockey and uh, I was impressed and then trending down um, CBJ. I, I don't know. I, I know that they're still right there kind of in the middle of that division, but I think that they need to pick it up and they need to actually be like that, that third place team in that division. I don't think they want to mess around with being a four or five bubble team and having to play, you know, down to their very last game this season. I don't know who they play towards the end of the season, but I just can't imagine what they're going to draw Tampa or draw Carolina in the final couple games of the season. They're going to end up missing or something like that. So I think if they want to uh, make the playoffs, they're going to have to start picking it up soon. Hopefully that trade now that line a is there and all settled and he got into his first game, maybe that'll turn things around for them. But I'd imagine Torts is going to have his team on, to, on a pretty tight leash for the next couple of games. Yeah, I actually really like that uh, that CBJ pick by you. Uh, for my up team, I'm going to choose the Florida Panthers. Fun fact, they are the last team left in the NHL who has a point in every single game played this year. They are 5-0-1. Uh, did they have a COVID problem since they only have six games played? I can't even remember at this they, point. Their first couple games of the year were slated to be against Dallas, and that's why they didn't exactly. play. Okay. Yep. Speaking of COVID problem, though, I did just get a ding from Bleacher Report that the Wild are also going to be on the COVID-19 pause. They're going to postpone their games through February 9th after five players were added to the COVID list. Oh, Christ. Every fucking team's going to go through this, so everybody just bear with it. I mean, it, this is – they expected this. This isn't surprising, I would say. Uh, the NBA's gone through a couple tough stretches too, so I think the Wizards missed like – Three weeks of action. So, you know, patience, it'll pay off. It's news to me. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that's my, my two <laughs> How minutes. How bad of, they are. <laughs> my two minutes of Sports Center when I wake up and cook the eggs in the morning, right? And just hear it over the, over the TV. So, uh, my down team, the Ottawa Senators suck, man. I mean, I, I did not think they were going to be this bad. Um, I thought the Red Wings would be bottom feeders. You know, so I'm trying to think of maybe a couple other teams I thought would be bottom feeders. I knew Ottawa wasn't going to make the playoffs, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Uh, they have three points, and they're dead last in the NHL, and they haven't missed a game because of COVID. So they really are just playing horrendous. And uh, Matt Murray is not in a good place. Listen, I don't hate Matt Murray. I've said it before. I don't hate him. He won two Stanley Cups for me. I love him. He's a great guy. I root for him. But there's something wrong. There's something wrong, and I don't know what it is. And I'm not harp. I don't mean to beat him up, but it's just how bad he's playing. It's glaringly obvious he is not worth the contract that he got. And right now, I'm not so sure he's an NHL caliber goaltender. I gotta be honest. Uh, but that'll do it for our market report. Uh, that kind of wraps it up for us here, fellas. I mean, good, good epi, good effort, solid shifts. Anything else? I'm all good. Uh, go check out the website as always check out the merch uh, keep an eye out for our sort of on the fly picks on Instagram Twitter and on the website under the bets tab as well and yeah 
Big thanks again to Courtney. That was awesome. Yeah, great. En- loved her energy. Loved the little banter back and forth. That's always good to have in an interview. So we really appreciate her coming on and uh, you know giving us the lowdown on the caps and some of her stories in the media. Yeah, that was one of my favorite guests we've had in a while for sure. Can't thank her enough. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. All righty. Well, we'll see you next week. And without further ado, class dismissed. <laughs>